Okay, hey everyone, it's Dashian Miller, and we're here with our next episode, this episode of Kudan Podcast, Kudan Radio. And so this is episode 118. Focus for this episode, uh, what I want to dive into is uh, generating personal power, right? And we're going to start, we're, we're, we're going to boil this down. My, my plan for this, this episode is just to boil things down. I'm going to give you five uh, things, five simple things that we can manage and just be more mindful of um, that actually has a lot more to do with the body than anything else. One of them has to do with the mind. And then what I want to do is I want to springboard off of that and take a look at uh, an upcoming program that I'm going to be doing. And I've been wanting to do this for a while. And this is just a perfect time uh, to springboard off of it. Do it. Um, that has to do with uh, something that comes out of our Mikyo training. And so uh, when we take a look at this this area of the mind, I'm going to go through a couple of little things, right? Because, you know, if I give you if I give you something to look at, the next question is going to be, um, how do I do that? What do I do? Right. So we'll take a look at things again, a big, broad stroke kind of way uh, to look at it. And then, uh, you know, if you're interested later on when we fire up the program, then we can really dive into this and, and make it happen. Okay. All right. So we'll talk about that more when we come back. So the big question is this, how are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kudan Radio, real training for real people in a real world. And we are back. So, let me move one of my things here, right? Note something I had to go through a long, long time ago, and in all honesty, I'm still going through it. But uh, I know when a lot of folks get involved in ninjutsu, when they get involved in martial arts, when they get involved in self-defense training, the big, the big focus is on, you know, not getting beaten, broken, or killed by somebody, uh, you know, who's coming at him physically, uh, whatever, right? And that's, that's, uh, it's perfectly normal, right? As a matter of fact, on the, on the hierarchy of needs, right? Security, right? Survival, security, right? It's way down there at the base, right? It's, it's, it's this big thing. And until we get a handle on that, it's really difficult to do the next things, right? That lead up to this, level of personal mastery and those kind of things, right? But we all have to admit, I mean, if we look around our world, a lot of us are dealing with, and I know I, I have, right? And, and these things come around, right? So it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm immune to these things, right? They come around, right? And when they happen, I have to deal with them and whatnot, right? And so the more personal power we have, the more abilities we have, the more skill sets we have, the more mindfulness to see things coming and, and things starting to happen before they actually happen, Right. The greater our chances of, of handling those situations with the least amount of stress, uh, wear and tear, you know, uh, energy suck, whatever. Right. So but a lot of us are, are dealing with that kind of thing. A lot of us, you know, we, we want to train in martial arts. We want to learn the Bicento. We want to learn nunchucks. We want to learn all this kind of stuff. And we're barely struggling to get the bills paid every month. Right. Or whatever. And I'm not here to knock anybody. What I'm really talking about is, is, you know, personal power is not just in our ability to not die at the hands of somebody else, right? 
but our ability to handle and navigate, right, and not fall prey to everyday shit, right? I mean, we're human beings in this human existence and this thing called life, right, within this universe. And we've got stuff that's happening all the time, right? And survival and self-protection and things like that. It's not limited to just ducking punches and not getting cut and whatever, right? So one of the questions that I get a lot, and, and sometimes it's, they're not formulated as a question, right? Sometimes they're, they're statements, right? Or pre they're presented as reasons, right? As to why somebody can't do something uh, or can't train or can't, you know, um, uh, you know, I need to do online training, but I don't have a job, so I can't do that. Or uh, there's no dojo near me and I can't travel. So they must be a paraplegic or whatever because they can't walk, operate a vehicle, be carried by, I don't know, right? I mean, I, when somebody says they can't do something, right, um, it, it, it's not, it's typically not a can't, right? It's typically a won't. Right. Um, what they do is they see the impediments and they use that as the reason why, instead of looking at the impediments as obstacles that have to be removed so that now I can do this thing I want to do. Right. Successful, powerful people, people that are masters of their own lives. Right. I mean, one of the things that if you stick around warrior concepts uh, long enough, you'll run into our motto, which is master yourself, master your life. Right. Um, <clears throat> And one of the things that these people have uh, as a mindset is when a problem pops up, when a challenge pops up, they go into, into problem-solving mode. They go into solution mode because that's an obstacle to something bigger that they want to have handled, right, that they want, they want to be experiencing, they want to enjoy, they want to be able to produce to give to somebody else or to share or whatever, right? Unfortunately, there's far too many of us. And I was one of those people when I got involved in this training, right? Thank God I found the teachers that I found because if I'd have bumped into some of the teachers that are teaching today in this art, way too many of them, right? Either I'd be doing something else or I would still be a product. Now, I, I don't think I'd be a product of that. I don't know where I'd be, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'd be here, right? Um, I would still be wallowing in those things. That programming would still be leading, right? And some of these people that I've heard teach or present or, uh, well, they teach one way, but they live another. Shit, if they were my teacher, I'd probably put a gun in my mouth, right? Um, and I'm, that's as nice as I can be because they're not only a detriment to themselves, but they're, they're poisoning the minds of everybody that comes to them, right? In an attempt to be some kind of masterful guru, right? They're shitting in the brains and souls of everybody that, that comes near them. Right. And that may make me sound like an ass, but somebody's got to say it. So anyway. All right. So, again, goal today, goal for this episode, right, is to take a look at generating personal power, generating more power. Right. Power is the is the crux of the focus of Kuji level two. Right. There are these nine Kuji, right. Nine syllable seals, nine cuts, nine, you know, this, whatever, right? Okay. And so, uh, Kuji 2, Pyol, right, is all about power, power generation, okay? So, the way I was introduced to this concept 
was very much the analogy was like a, a battery, right? And if you've seen the movie The Matrix, right, it makes a direct correlation, right? As a matter of fact, one of the one of the insults that people who have been released from the Matrix call people who are still in the Matrix is they call them copper top, right? Because they're just a battery that's producing energy and, and cooking things off, and they're just a part of this big old thing, right, that other people are tapping into, right? They're not using the, their energy. As a matter of fact, they're asleep, right? In our Miko training, one of the one of the phrases that's used is sleepwalk living, right? One of the phrases used when it comes to enlightenment is the idea of waking up, right, so that you can see what's going on. Because until you're awake and aware of something, you can't do anything with it, right? So uh, the, the four base uh, practices that I'm going to share with you have to do with making sure that the battery, right, the battery, okay, us, right, our energy, our power, right, is sufficient to get shit done, okay? I was just telling James, uh, you know, every once in a while, my battery runs low. I mean, I'm, I'm doing so much that, you know, um, past couple of nights, I'm exhausted, right? I, I, and I showed him my journal, right, and, and this this uh, planner that I have, right? And a lot of a lot of nights, right? I mean, some nights, like last night, I sent sent some things out and uh, pre-loaded uh, like emails and stuff that were to go out during the day today automatically to remind everybody of Kuden and what was being taught and all that kind of stuff, right? I got that done at 1.30 last night, fighting sleep the whole way. Well, when you just go to sleep and do it in the morning, because that's not me, right? I got other things to do. I leave late tonight to drive to an airport to get on a plane to fly from point A to point B, from point B to point Z. So, uh, you know, this week, uh, you know, my wife and I can be with my uh my youngest stepson, because he is graduating Air Force uh, basic training. So we're going to be in Texas. And so the past week and a half leading up to today, I've had to double or triple up my workload so that while I'm still going to be doing things this week, it's not a workaholic, that's things need to be done. And I don't have a team big enough in place where I don't have to do a lot of that stuff. So it has to get done. Okay. So I had to double or triple my workload so that I could take some time off during the times during the week when, you know, we're going to be with him. Right. And then later on back at the hotel, I can, you know, do what I need to do. But anyway, so the battery has to be charged. The battery has to be, um, you know, capable of, of keeping with it. Right. Uh, there's a saying in, um, in some of the uh, the Buddhist sects in Japan, uh, because you know people get enlightened, right? Their mind gets enlightened, but their bodies are just freaking falling apart. They got bad joints, they got bad knees, whatever, and they're like, yeah, I thought this supposed to, stuff was supposed to like you know fix everything. They're like, nah, it fixes the mind, but the body's not strong enough to keep up, right? Now they don't have a lot of these practices that come from like our Tatara and some of these other things that come out of Mikyo and, and whatnot. But either way, right? So the, the base four, you know, when I tell you what they are, if I just like laid them out and said, here, do this, this, and this, right? Um, you'd probably roll your eyes and go, seriously, I waited for that, right? But the trick is to be mindful, 
to make sure that we're doing those things, right? There, and there's indicators as to whether we're doing them sufficiently enough or not, okay? One of those, like in Mikyo, there's a mantra and a mudra for going to the bathroom, okay? It's really, really simple, okay? Um, but that kind of stuff grosses people out because they were taught as a kid, right? That's dirty, except that's an indicator as to your health in the moment, right? Color of urine, consistency and all that kind of stuff, of fecal matter and whatnot, right? It's a first indication, right? You're getting tired in the middle of a day or whatever, right? Um, is an indication that certain things might be off. And if we know what they are, we know what some key pieces are, we can mindfully, like a pilot with an airplane, do a check. Find the one that's off, right? And take control of it, right? So again, it's about living intentionally and not accidentally, okay? So we're going to spend a brief amount of time on those four. And then the fifth one, which has to do with mind, right? I'm going to take you on a quick, broad brushstroke through several areas in this, this uh, training from uh, the Tendai uh, school of Mikyo, which I was uh, initiated into as a lay teacher. And again, not a priest. And that was a choice, right? I asked my teacher, do I need to do that? Do I need to take ordination or anything like that, um, you know, to get advanced training? He said, no. I said, fantastic. In that case, I don't need a title, okay? I don't need a title, right? But coincidentally, this stuff, right, that I'm going to be uh, kind of sharing with you, again, broad, broad stroke, right, uh, was put together for people that wanted the benefits from this type of training but didn't want to officially become a Buddhist or didn't want to, you know, officially get whatever, right? Okay, kind of like people that want to get involved and do some ninjutsu training, but they don't want to join the Bujinkan. They don't want to be called a ninja. They don't, whatever, right? They want to pick and, and choose and borrow, right? And that's fine, right? Do what, do what works best for you, um, as I always say, right? Life and your day-to-day -day experience is the litmus test as to whether or not things are going in the direction that you say you want to be going, right? Okay, so again, five, and this, this is really, really boiled down. Are there more than five? <laughs> yeah, there's way more than five. But if we could condense these things down and look at it from the perspective of, look, no matter what I want to be doing with my, with my mind, right? No matter what I want to be doing to produce results in the world, if I'm tired, if I'm sick, if I'm distracted, if I'm worn down, all that kind of stuff, right? Little to nothing is going to get done, right? So the first thing we need, we need to do is make sure the battery is right, okay? Kind of reminds me of a, of a general science class I took in junior high school. Um, and I know I gloat about this a lot because, like, going to junior high school was cool because it sounded cool, right? We went from elementary school to junior high school. And I was the last in the last class going through the junior high school before it became a middle school, right? Psychologists have already shown that middle children and people in the middle of a group or that are average or consider themselves to be average produce the least amount, are the most... Um, resentful, 
or the most uh, angry or whatever because they feel like they're they're in limbo, right? They're they're kind of stuck, right? It's the bookends, the oldest or the youngest or the newest or the vets or whatever, right? Nobody wants to be stuck in the middle, and yet the whole education system here, at least in the U.S., has done this, right? So anyway, uh, junior high school, right? It's in this uh, general science class, which now looking back on it, it was physics, right? Because we work with levers and pulleys and all that kind of stuff, right? But the entire year was going to be working on projects where we were creating mechanisms, okay? And our understanding of pulleys and things like that, we worked in teams, right? We're going to create these gadgets and devices. But all of them and their ability to work was all going to be dependent on the first exercise, the first class project that we had to do. We all made rechargeable batteries. It was the coolest thing, right? Had these little, uh, they look like medicine bottles, but big fat kind of clunky things, right? And these electrodes went in and we made up this chemical mixture and whatnot. It went in and every day at the end of class, they went on this counter and got plugged into a charger, right? And the condition of your battery and its ability to take a charge and hold a charge would affect everything else for the rest of the year. So the teacher's big thing was make sure that you're following these instructions. Make sure that you're not doing shoddy work. Make sh right? Because this is at the crux of everything else. And here we are again, right? The energy level and, and our ability to, uh, to maintain a charge, to ration the energy out, right? Uh, you know, and I don't think any, I don't think people realize just how much energy it takes to get to that level of mastery or skills or whatever. Maybe they do. They just don't want to think about it, right? They just want to tell me why they can't, okay? But the reality is that maybe they can't because they're not, they don't even know they're supposed to be looking at how well they take care of this thing. And I'm not talking about whether you're fat or fit or you got six-pack abs or whatever, right? Because I think I run circles around a lot of my uh, a lot of my people, right? And I'm pushing, I'm coming up on 60, and I've got, you know, a type 2 diabetic gut. I've got, you know, high blood pressure, probably because you people stress me out. But no, it's probably not that, right? It runs in the family. But whatever, right? And it's it's things that I'm managing, right? And I know what I'm not. I know immediately what I'm not. And if I don't, if I if I get too got caught up with things, right, I just go back through this self-check, right? Like, I know that I've probably been more tired and haven't regulated things over the last week because I didn't take time for at least one of these areas, right? So for those of you that are okay with the Godai five elements, right, these get classified this way. All five of these practices get classified this way. So that's what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, um, list them in order, earth, water, fire, wind, void, and give you a given practice. Okay. It's a place to start, right? Your battery's already been made. It's in a given condition, but with some mindful practice and mindful attention, we can make things better. Okay. All right. So 
very quickly, right? Earth, right? Earth is your diet, okay? Has to do with minerals, right? And the way I'm going to describe this, same way that teachers described it to me, right? You are only as strong as your weakest cells. And your cells need certain things to operate. And I know people say metabolism and all that kind of stuff, but that's, that's such a vague word because you have several different metabolic rates all attached to different systems in your body, right? When somebody says, well, my metabolism is low, which one? Digestive, neuro, circulatory. So what, what, which, what metabolism are you talking about, right? Muscle metabolism, what? Okay. But earth is diet. Okay. And Part of this is, you know, we need to we need to be mindful of not just what we eat. I'm not here to tell you what to eat. I'm not here to tell you what diet or anything like that. Right. My research um, and, and study has exposed me to studies. Right. By the guys that actually, you know, that's their job. Right. That shows that all this stuff is, is ultimately tied to genetics. Right. That our genetic background actually has a lot to do with what foods we operate better on and what foods kind of screw things up. Okay. But what my teachers told me in the very beginning was, is to, was to be mindful, not just of what I eat, right. Stay away from crap and all that kind of stuff. Right. But you know, the experience of life, you know, have a cupcake every once in a while for Christ's sake. Right. I mean, you want to be a martyr. Um, that's going to affect mental stuff. Right. So, um, you know, this is not about gravitating to any given extreme. It's about the middle path, right? Not, not, you know, going from one extreme to the other. I'm not going to go from like, you know, sugar maniac to, oh, no sugar, no, you know, whatever, right? It's, it's about moderation, right? But what it's about, and again, all this stuff goes to mindfulness, right? What it's about is when I eat, okay? And I don't care if you journal it or you just try to remember it or whatever, right? I want to pay attention to my state for the next several hours or for that day or maybe a couple of days if, if I'm eating the same kind of things, right? So like what does, what does bread and pastas do to me or for me? What do certain types of meat or the lack of do to me or for me? Same thing with certain types of vegetables, fruits, those kind of things, right? Okay. So do they make me excited? Uh, and I don't mean like, woohoo, I mean like, you know, I'm, I'm just distracted and all over the place, or I've got a lot of high energy that I can, I can get a lot of kind of things done, or do they make me sluggish? Do they make me tired? Uh, whatever. Do they affect my emotional state, right? Do I get cranky? Do I, whatever, right? What happens, right? I mean, we could really dive into this stuff uh, away from diet, right? You can do the same thing with colors. You can do the same thing with, with, um, uh, uh, sensor, other sensory things like certain smells and whatnot, right? It's all tied, right? All tied together. So, um, but this is just diet, right? So if you remember earth being diet, cause we're looking at minerals, right? The, the food, right? For the cells. Okay. Then what we want to do is make sure that the right kind of minerals are getting where they're supposed to be. Okay. One of the biggest shortages that most people have is on a mineral called magnesium, right? Magnesium is responsible for like 357, give or take, uh, chemical reactions in the body, in the cells. But 
even if you have enough magnesium, if it's not in a slightly acidic environment tied to calcium, if your calcium's low, then you're not going to have it happen anyway, right? So it's just, it's really cool kind of thing, right? So anyway, but I also have weird uh, hobbies. So anyway, all right, all right. So um, earth is diet. Water is water, <laughs> okay? What is it? 65, 70% of your, of your system, right? And every study says something different, right? But I was, you know, I, I just ride on the, on the 70% kind of thing, right? 70% of your body, of your cells and whatnot, um, is water, right? Well, it's supposed to be anyway, right? But studies have found, especially here in the West, is that, um, most people are already in a state of dehydration, right? So, uh, if you're dehydrated, that affects your mental functions. It affects motor functions. It affects uh, nerve, uh, all kinds of things, right? So we want to keep uh, water in. I'm not telling you how much or anything like that. I'm just going to throw a little piece of information at you, and then you can go from there based on your lifestyle, okay? So even if you're laying on the couch or a sofa or whatever or slumped in a beanbag chair or whatever, binge-watching Netflix all freaking day long, that's no different than somebody with a desk job sitting in a 70-degree room and their body gives up eight ounces of water an hour. It evaporates off your eyes. It comes out as you exhale, nose, mouth, that kind of thing, perspiration, which is just natural, all that kind of stuff. Motor functions, as your body's breaking stuff down, it goes to your bladder, right? You're going to get rid of a bunch of that stuff, right? Eight ounces an hour. So if you're not replacing a minimum of eight ounces an hour, you're dehydrating yourself. The cool thing is that the body's very adaptive. The body will survive. Whether you're, survive, whether you're in a survival state or you're in a state where you can get the stuff done that you know you need to get done or have the energy to do it or whatever, that's a, that's a completely different thing. Okay, so earth is diet. It's it's all about minerals. Water is water. Fire is exercise. Okay, fire is metabolism. Okay, so we just start by just putting ourselves in motion, right? So this goes to our Junin Taiso, right? Um, the uh, dragon exercises, those kind of things, right? So uh, two ways to exercise. One, you're working muscles, right? Two ways to make the body strong. Uh, muscles, right? Build them. Keep them active, that kind of things, right? Keeps the vibrancy and the energy going, right? And stretching, right? So stretching does uh, does two things, right? It uh, increases the range of motion, right, by making things more supple and whatnot, so you're less likely to injure yourself. But it also keeps things from binding down and locking down, and then inhibiting uh, circulatory system and uh, nerve impulses and stuff like that, right? So that obviously feeds back to uh, at least the, the circulatory system, right? Blood flow and all that, right? Goes back to the water uh, level as well, right? So uh, you want to keep the the uh, the water the water level, right? The the hydration at a certain level where your your um, your blood's not getting uh, thick uh, and it's making it harder for your blood to pump it, right? The body and the core will start to pull things down and, sh and uh, not shut them down, but to slow processes down because it, it needs to ration things, right? It's, it's harder and slower 
to get things where they need to go, right? Again, cells, they're supposed to be 70% water, right? But, right, um, if they're not, then cell operation, metabolism is going to minimize, right? If we're not feeding the cells, minerals and vitamins and things like that, it's going to gear things down because it needs to ration the energy to survive and not die, okay? So earth, diet, water, water, uh, fire, it's all about metabolism, right? Move, right? A body in motion typically stays in motion, right? Our Jun and Tiso exercises combat the human body's natural, natural tendency to come to rest. And the more you come to rest and the more you rest, and they've already proven this, right? If you sleep too long, you wake up. Have you ever woken up and felt like you need more sleep? It's probably because you either didn't sleep very long at all. I operate on four to five hours of sleep a night. Okay. And I know it's supposed to be like seven to nine. Yeah. Well, seven to nine makes me groggy all day long because I felt like I slept too much. Okay. If you lay around all the time, you're always going to be tired because you're draining the energy out. Okay. So, um, again, we need to find what these things are. And again, it still goes back to mindfulness. Are you mindfully aware that, you know, about once an hour, give or take, right? You're getting, you know, eight ounces of water. Eight ounces of water is, this is, this is a 20 ounce cup, right? So eight ounces of water, not very much, but it'll add up if, you know, I, you know, keep doing my thing, right? Um, or I'm ingesting things like teas and stuff like that that will naturally dehydrate me, right? Those kind of things, right? So anyway, uh, wind, right? Wind is respiration, right? It's breathing, okay? Um, we want to get more oxygen in, right? And we also need to clear the poisonous gases out that the metabolic systems are creating, right? Carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, all kinds of things that need to get out, right? Otherwise, they make the brain foggy, they slow things down, right? Um, and, you know, if we're not exhaling the same amount that we're inhaling, right, again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to dampen things down, right? So we want to make sure that we're doing uh, deep breathing, that kind of stuff, right? And if you can do these things on a regular basis, right, um, I always uh, suggest at least 12 repetitions, right? And you'll know when your body is, hits a saturation point, because it won't want to take those breaths and there will actually be more, a longer time gap between one breath and the next because the body doesn't need the, the oxygen, right? You can always tell when somebody's in a crappy state, right? They've got short, shallow, almost panting breathing, right? Because they're just not getting it in. And they're also not using their lungs to their fullest capacity, right? So if at all possible, we want to inhale through the nose when we're doing this exercise. I don't care how you do it normally, right? But when we're doing this exercise, we inhale through the nose because it's a smaller aperture, right? Forces your diaphragm to pull harder. That pulls the air farther down, farther into the lungs, uses more of the um, air, uh, alveoli. Yeah, alveoli, right? Uh, the things that pull the uh, oxygen, nitrogen, and stuff like that out of the air, right? Put it into your bloodstream and then, you know, keep things moving. Right. So we want to inhale through that and then exhale out through the mouth. When you're exhaling out, when you think it's all gone, squeeze your stomach muscles as in like where your belly button is. Squeeze in and up to force that last little bit out. Take a normal breath, that kind of thing. Some other time we'll, we'll cover 
what we call, if you're one of my students, we need to be covering this anyway, three-phase breathing, right? That's a part of your curriculum, right? And then there's different types of breathing as we want to shift into and out of these different emotional states or, uh, or operational modes um, as we need to, as we need to produce results getting through our day, right? Uh, so anyway, right? So earth, diet, Right. Just think minerals, vitamins, that kind of thing. Right. Food for the food for the cells. And if you can think of this on a cellular level, the better off you're going to be. OK. Water. Right. It's water. Right. Seventy percent cells. Get those cells to their peak performance so they can operate well. They're alive. They're not just existing, um, you know, because when you create when your cells subdivide and create sister cells, you're going to create sister cells that are like the cripple. That just produced it. Just like bad teachers, parents, guides, mentors, or whatever that have shitty ideas for what it means to be successful, right? They're just going to pass that on to kids or anybody else that's in their charge, right? So everybody's worried about racists passing on their things to racists, but they never think about people passing on, um, you know, be a lazy, good enough, uh, you know, shitbag. Right. Just do enough to get by. And as long as you don't get caught, everything's fine. That's OK. Right. But, if you know, we got to watch out through these other people that we might run into in the world. And yet we're constantly surrounded by people convincing us that we should be less than what we could be because, well, they're not going to say this part because we're going to bother them if we actually do what they dreamed of and then gave up on. Okay? So anyway. Right. That's the important part for charging the battery physically, physiologically, right? Okay. The fifth one, right, is for the mind. It's meditation. Okay. On a base level, tense mind, tense body. Relaxed mind, relaxed body. Okay. And for no other reason, they're connected. Okay. But what we want to do is be feeding the mind. We want to keep it active as well, okay, uh, so that, you know, we can we can do more. We can get more, right? We can stay focused on things. We can concentrate. We can sustain, right, observation and awareness on the thing that we need to be on. We're less likely to get confused, disoriented, uh, whatever, right? Fall asleep, okay? Most people have no idea that the yawning um, reflex uh, is a signal from their brain that if they're going to keep operating, they need more oxygen, right? Most people automatically assume I'm yawning. I must be tired. No, you're yawning because your brain needs more oxygen. You're still functioning. It would like to rest, but if you need to keep going, you need to feed it, right? It needs more oxygen. Right. Your cells need more oxygen, that kind of thing. Right. Um, it's 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 just a natural reflex and it's a signal from your body. Your breathing went shallow. Right. You're moving into rest mode. And if that's not where you need to be, then you need to change your breathing so that you get back up to operational mode. OK. So anyway, so things are tied together. But uh, the mind. Right. The, the practice for the mind is meditation, okay? There's three types of meditation, three basic types of meditation. There are, God, 
as far as I'm concerned, there are countless numbers of uh, meditative practices, meditative exercises. Okay, so I'm not going to be talking about the exercise. I'm not going to be talking about whether you, you know, stare at a at your thumbnail or you watch a candle flame or whatever. Okay, it's not about that. Right. The word meditation from the Sanskrit and from the Pali, right, actually points to two things. Right? It's very difficult. Uh, these things don't translate well into English. There's two completely different words, but we use the word meditation. Right. So most people think of meditation as a practice. Right. I'm doing something with my mind. I'm either doing Zen meditation and focusing on a single point. I'm doing Vipassana meditation and I'm watching a process. I'm vi doing visualization meditation, whatever. But at its core, meditation means mindset or state of mind, right? So what you're doing is you're using a practice, a specific practice designed for a certain mental state to hone that state to get better at that, just like any other kata, just like any other exercise. If I'm doing an exercise to strengthen my pec muscles, I'm going to do very specific exercises that use those muscles, okay? Same thing. If I want to get better at focusing, relaxation, single-pointed meditation, what most people call zen, whatever, right? It's very specific exercises for that. If I want to be paying attention to things and following my thoughts or following and getting better at comprehension and, and whatever, whether it's holding my attention on a movie or somebody speaking or whatever, not having my mind wander, and then I lose 15 minutes of it or whatever, right? Um, if I want to get better at that, I can't be using the other exercises. They're related, but that's to kind of enter into, right? Because that first type of meditation, ultimately, for all these other ones, is what we have to do to train the mind. We have to become masters of our own mind, lest we, come, we become slaves to whatever the mind wants to do. Okay? So, if I'm doing, again, if I want to hone the observational stuff, then there's very specific exercises I need to do for that. If I want to hone my visualization, creative uh, internal imagery, dream states, all those kind of things, right? There's very specific exercises for that, okay? But since we're talking about personal power during this episode, then I want to stay there, right? I want to stay within that kind of uh, realm, okay? So at its base, as a, as a place to start, right, there are uh, in this, in this, um, well, I'll show you this thing. This is something I got from a teacher um, who helped me out with the, uh, the Mikio stuff first before I moved off to or graduated to, whatever you want to call it, right, to work with my uh, Buddhist teacher, uh, Reverend Jikai, and um, for formally entered into the Mikio realm and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, there's this there's this practice set of practices, right? Uh, that are collectively known as the Sanju Shichi Dobon in uh, Japanese, okay? Sanju Shichi is the number 37, okay? Dobon are fundamental or core practices, right? So the story behind this is that on or somewhere close to the Buddha's death, he was asked by his disciples, you know, there's, there's a lot of people, 
that want to get the benefits of this, but either because of their life or their lifestyle, they're too busy, whatever, they can't commit to the austere lifestyle of, of, a, of a monk or a disciple or whatever, right? They've got families, uh, maybe, maybe mental aptitude, right? They're not at that level or they don't want to be a Buddhist, right? They don't want to do this thing, right? Um, they want the benefits of it. So what are the, what are the things from our practices that they could do that they could still get the full benefit of everything, right? But not have to take the official path, right? And supposedly, well, not supposedly, the, the uh, Buddha outlined these 37 areas, which are actually groupings of anywhere between uh, four and uh, eight items, right? Um, in groupings, right? So there's like seven groupings of, right? And so he, he laid these things out. Disciples wrote them down and all that, right? And that became collectively known as the Sanju Shichi Dobo, right? The 37 practices leading to enlightenment, right? So, but it's each of these, each of these kind of collections, right? Each of these seven collections have to do with different types of power, different types of abilities, right? Those kind of things, right? Just like, you know, in our need to practice, right? Rolling is for specific things. Leaping is for specific things. Counter-striking or, or, uh, okay, in the gosh for very specific things, right? Same idea, right? Collectively, they all produce this state of mastery, enlightenment, wisdom, whatever you want to call it. Um, but you can't miss one of the groupings. Otherwise you have, you have ish, right? You know, ish, right? So um, what I'm going to do is very, very quickly, but I'm, I'm going to jump around a little bit because this isn't about going through the Sanji Shichi Dobo. I, I got to get through this week or two, actually I've got two back-to-back weeks here, and then we're going to start to roll things out probably the following week. Um, I haven't done a live online class in a long, long time, a, a, like a program, and people are jonesing about this stuff. And most of the questions that are coming to me are about life mastery because people are figuring out that they can't get the ninjutsu, pre- the ninjutsu training they want because they don't have a handle on the other shit that's getting in the way. Right? I'm looking at James here in the background. And he either has like a twitch that's going on or he's nodding in agreement. Right. So but this is the same for anything. Right. Whether it's a freaking vacation that you keep held, holding off and you've held it off for the last 15 freaking years or being with certain types of people or having a certain type of job. or It's the same. Right. It's all the same. Right. Just like building that battery and making sure that battery is capable of charging to the extent necessary and 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 holding a charge and rationing that energy out. Because I got to tell you, right, to go where most people tell me they want to go, to even do the path that I've taken this far. And I've, in all honesty, I've half-assed it in some places. And I I absolutely admit that. And I'm trying to make up for those kind of things, right, or injuries that are set back or whatever. Had it not been for the practices before spinal injuries and all that, I I wouldn't be doing this since, let's see, when was I, 40 five 2007 2007 right 
doctors took MRIs of my spine and all that and said, I don't know what the hell you're doing, but keep it up because you have the spine of a 25-year-old. Okay? If you had the spine of a 45-year-old, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You probably wouldn't be able to walk anymore. Right? You'd be a paraplegic. Okay? And that was just out of a car crash. Right? So, um, anyway. So, we, we, I don't think people understand just how much energy, effort, mindfulness, and resources they're going to need to get where they say they want to go. Hell, to get 25% of the way to where you say you want to go. Because a lot of it, just like a rocket, just like a space shuttle or whatever getting launched, or SpaceX or whatever getting launched from the planet, just to get to the atmosphere and break through to space, like 90% of the rocket's fuel is to escape the Earth's gravity. A shit ton of energy is needed to overcome beliefs, programming, habit patterns, and all those kind of things that have produced the me today. We're going to need a shit ton of energy to get beyond that. Okay? Again, it's another one of those cases where easy? No. Worth it? Absolutely. Okay? So, because we're talking about meditation, right? Meditation is mindfulness, right? Where we're putting our mind, right? What can we use as objects of meditation? And that this actually starts off with kind of contemplation meditation because in this program, in Mikyo, the assumption is that we've all, we already have control of our mind, right? So the Zen meditation type stuff, controlling the mind, quieting it, and directing it is all, that's a foregone conclusion, right? So this really starts with uh, contemplation meditation, insight-based meditation, uh, known as vipassana, right, uh, or prajna. I mean, the meditation leading for prajna. Prajna is insight necessary for enlightenment to take place, right? Sometimes it's just generally translated as insight, and insight is a product, but prajna is the insight necessary for what are we doing to produce correct insight. Otherwise, what we have is assumptions and guesses and bullshit, right? Okay. You know, just scrolling on our phone and reading the headlines and thinking that we know what the hell is going on in the world, right? When we're just a moron being drugged along like a puppet, which is exactly what they want, right? So anyway. All right, so I'm going to lay these four, first four things out, which are called the four foundations of mindfulness, right? Shinin Joel. Right. Just briefly talk about them. And then we're going to jump to the power stuff um, because everything else collectively goes to that. And then I'm going to round it out by uh, taking a look at the seven aspects of an enlightened mind, okay? which is the ultimate power place, because those aspects are the walking, talking, thinking, living uh result, right? That, that's what an enlightened person does, right? It's, it's how they live. It's how they think. It's how they, all that kind of stuff, right? It's the, it's the end product, right? These are characteristics developed, not, um, you know, um, things that we do when we think about it, right? It's, it's kind of like our, our, um, our student creed and all that kind of stuff that I covered in a previous uh, Kuden. I think I covered in the previous Kuden. 
Didn't I do that last week, James? Okay. So we did the student creed, which is based on belief and trust and faith in the in the in myself and the program and the teachers and all that kind of stuff. And then once that's proven enough, right? Then we go, this is worth doing, right? Then we move to our vows of intention, right? I intend to do these specific things, right? Because uh, this is not no longer a belief thing that I, that I know it's going to work. I've, I've produced enough experiences that I'm like, oh, this is cool shit, right? So I intend to do these things um, as much as possible. And then that eventually leads to the warrior code of action, which is just period, right? I train to, period. I will avoid, period. It's no longer something we do. It just becomes a part of who we are, right? So anyway, all right, so four foundations of mindfulness, right? So uh, first one is contemplation of the body. And this is actually made up of six different types of meditative uh, uh, mindfulness, right? What we're, what we're tuning our mind into, right? And again, I'm just going to jump around a little bit. I, this is not about teaching the Sanji Shichi Dobon. That's this upcoming program. So if you're interested in this kind of thing, you're going to want to send in, uh, you know, email saying, hey, I'm interested. So we can put you on an early notification list because we're going to put a very, very small limit uh, on how many people. And I mean, like, no more than 10 or 20 people. So I can, uh, I can give proper, um, uh, attention to people that are that are serious okay so again you know we start off with something simple like mindfulness of breathing right just watching your breath right mindfulness of body postures right catching yourself slouching or doing things that kind of inhibit and lock up those those uh you know energy flows and whatnot right uh mindfulness of parts of the body uh all the way to contemplation of mortality okay one of the uh one of the, I'm not going to call it advanced. One of the, what most people call extreme uh, practices that have to do with contemplation of mortality is um, to go and uh, not only visit uh, cemeteries, but to sit in cemeteries and do your meditation there. Right. So anyway, uh, second type of contemplation is contemplation of feelings. This has nothing to do with emotions. Emotions are very complex things that have to do with a combination of feelings, uh, conceptualization, consciousness, those kind of things, right? So we're not that, we're not that deep into it, right? It's contemplation of, uh, everything from the base feelings, right? Attraction, repulsion, neutrality to when those things have an effect on me, right? So um, uh, what we're looking for are base gut level kind of things, right? So the feelings of something is pleasant, so it's attractive to me and I'm drawn to it, right? This is not just an eye thing, right, with beauty. It could be a pleasant smell, could be, uh, you know, pleasant sounds, whatever. I, and what that normally does for most people is, they want more of that, right? And then that's a distraction away from other things that need to be done, okay? Um, the uh, feeling of, uh, you know, when something's unpleasant or aversion, right? So it's an unpleasant smell, right? It's ugly or it's grotesque or it's it's grating and, and, you know, doesn't feel nice and those kind of things, right? We need to get a handle on those kind of things, right? And then something is neutral where you know, it's just, it's not really, I mean, 
if we're even aware of it at all, right? Um, it's just not drawing us in one way or another, right? Okay. So, um, yeah. And then the uh, third type of contemplation is contemplation of mind. And what you're watching for and learning all about is how the mind produces thoughts, how uh, thoughts have a birth, they have a life, and they have a death, and how that, uh, you know, that process produces other thoughts. And, you know, you're looking for, um, you know, is, the, is your, or your thought process is a logical flow, a logical chain, right? You know, I'm looking at my thumb, right, and my thumbnail, which is, this is a very simple exercise that I'll give people out of the blue. I'll say, just look at your thumbnail, right? And some people can't even do that because they keep looking at me, waiting for me to just tell them what's supposed to happen or whatever, right? They're just, ego's trying to shortcut the, the process, right? They can't even look at their damn thumbnail, right? Other people are looking at the thumbnail, right? And so a logical flow would be, oh, man, manicure, that's kind of flaked right there. Got the, oh, that's some weird lines in there, right? Or my cuticle is or whatever. That's a logical flow, right? But if I'm looking at my thumbnail and I go, shit, I got to pick up milk on the way home, right? Not a logical flow. How the hell do we get the milk from thumbnail, right? So it's, we want to get a handle on, and this is what I mean by we can't get there from not here, right? If we don't know how this thing is processing things, right? If you don't know how it comes up with the things it comes up with, how the hell can you trust it for anything, right? I use that on people all the time. Right? I ask them about their logic and they go, I don't know how I, I don't know how I come up with the thoughts I come up with. Well, shit, how do, how do you trust your own mind if you don't know how it, how it operates? If you can't, if, if it's not even having logical moment to moment flows, right? How, how can you trust something like that? Right? Would you trust somebody else who came at you with a whole bunch of a logic, right? To guide your life? Right? But we do it to ourselves all the time. We don't even think anything about it. Right? Well, I don't know how that operates. It's just me. Well, you don't even know what me is. How the hell can you say it's just me? What the hell is that? What is me? Right? But people do it all the time, right? So contemplation of mind, right? Um, everything from contemplating why we choose to focus on what we focus on, why we choose to avoid other things, all kinds of things, right? It's just we want to get a handle on this thing, right? And what pulls our mind around, okay? Um, in, um, in Tibetan Buddhism um, and in old Theravada Buddhism, the symbol used to represent an unenlightened mind is a tree full of chattering monkeys, right? Whichever one gets the, is screeching the most or falling out of the tree or flinging poo or whatever gets your attention, that it's drawing you, and then the next thing draws you, and the next thing. So that's what your mind's doing. Ping, 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 instead of a logical flow, right? And then the fourth uh, contemplation method is contemplation of phenomena, right? That's just things out in the world, right? So you get a handle on your head, and then you start looking at um, uh, the mind's thoughts in response to, like, the experience, right, that you're having, right? The experience that you're encountering uh, or when the experience you're having when you're encountering things or people, situations, whatever. You want to see what your mind's doing relative to these things, but you also want to pay attention to how things work. So this is where it crosses over to our ninjutsu or martial arts training. You start paying attention to, you know, people think you're on some kind of crack or whatever because you're standing there staring at your arm 
and you're moving it. But what I'm playing around with is what's the minimum net amount of muscle that I need? What muscles are firing to do that? Right. If I do this, oh, can I feel the shoulder joint opening? Because an open joint is a weak joint. It's flexible and it gives me greater range of motion, but it's not strong. Right. Um, you know, those kind of things. Same thing with the hand and, or the legs or whatever. Right. So, uh, again, that's that's going back to contemplation of the body and the body parts and all that. Right. But phenomena. Right. You know, just watching things happening. Can you just watch? Right. Can you watch a group of teenagers be teenagers and think that they've got their shit together and they're just, you know, they just don't know a bunch of stuff. You remember when we were teenagers. Right. Okay. Just you thought you knew everything, and now looking back, you're like, man, why did somebody just beat me to death? Right? <laughs> I had to beat me to death. Right? So anyway, right? Uh, again, there's lots of things, uh, uh, lots of these little things that go on. What I want to do is jump to, uh, man, there's the five potentials. All these things kind of center around um, the uh, the powers, right? So. Uh, there's this uh, one grouping again, right? Called the five powers, Godiki, right? And so these are meditations. Um, they're contemplative meditations, right? About the experience, right? Um, of the exercise. And again, there's this other thing of our potentials and stuff like that. It's the same words that keep coming up, but it's the perspective on these things, right? So the five powers, right? point to kind of what we'll be able to do with these things that have been identified for well over the last two and a half centuries as core ingredients to someone who is a master of his or her life, right? Who can produce results with what appears to be little or no effort. Okay. So jump on these things here quickly. And then, like I said, um, I'll round things out with the seven characteristics or the seven branches of an enlightened mind because that becomes our litmus test, right? Where are we relative to these things that should be the byproducts of practice, okay? So anyway, the five powers, right? So uh, number one is the power of confidence, right? Um it's it's about, you know, our firm faith in ultimate truth and, and really knowing uh, things. Right. But in, in the beginning, what we just want to center on is, you know, what do we know? What do we not know? And being OK with that. Right. I'm confident. Right. Because in the beginning, this is going to start with our connection with our own self value, our self-esteem. Right. Um, and And how this feeds back and forth. Right. But it's this this, um, this power of confidence. Right. So I'm, I'm going to read something uh, that a teacher kind of summed up. Right. About this from the teachings. Right. Uh, and this is reflected in uh, what we call the three treasures, which is actually the more formal. The formal uh, when, I, when I talked about the Sankey Sankyo to the student creed. Right. Our student creed is just a modification uh, in English terminology. Um, of these three treasures, right? Of the Buddha, the, uh, the, the ideal. I mean, instead of saying Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, whatever, I'm going to say the ideal, the teachings and the teachers or the group of people that are, you know, on the path with you, right? So 
It is so easy to slip back into unproductive, unwholesome feelings of discouragement. Right. And this is a this is a statement that, that we learn to say. Right. It's, it's your own little personal mantra. Right. And it's a recognition of how things can get in the way. But it's a statement of. So it's so like I said, we have the student creed, vows of intention, all that kind of stuff. Right. But we have we have things uh, on the mind science only kind of side as well. Right. So here's this admonition. Right. It is so easy to slip back into unproductive, unwholesome feelings of discouragement. I strive to acknowledge ever more uh, examples of my own advancement, propelled forward by means of more positive confidence in my own potential, the program of advancement I am following, and my guides and role models. In this past day, what example have I provided myself to prove the power of confidence? Right. So um, in, in our actual physical mutual practice, there, uh, there's a, a practice called words of confession. And we're not in front of any kind of priest or whatever. Um, you know, our heart's the most wise priest we're ever going to find. But it's it's our own conscience, right? So what we do is we take a look at, uh, you know, between now and the last time I did the exercise or if it's been too long in the past day, past couple of days, weeks, whatever, right? I find I find a moment where I know that uh, my thoughts, my words, my actions or whatever weren't what they should have been, could have been, right, or would have been if I were more mindfully in tune with the moment, right, and I produced results that were less than I know I'm capable of, right. So what I do is I do this visualization, and I and I visualize myself saying, thinking, or doing, whichever one is off, right, the right thing, a better thing that would produce the better results, right. So this is kind of tied into that, right where here's this admonition, right, this recognition, and then there's an active mental exercise. What example, right, in the past day, what example have I provided to myself to prove the power of confidence? I was sure that this is the thing that needed to be done, and I was courageous enough, no matter what anybody else was saying, to step into my own confidence and get that done. What have I done? Okay. So next is the power of courageous endeavor. See how they lead from one to the next, right? Courageous endeavor, right? Courageous action, brave activity, whatever you want to call it, right? Okay. So in this one, what we're doing, again, contemplation, right? We're contemplating our own experience of the power of courageous, positive efforts, which maintain positive forward momentum, right? I don't feel like working out. Who cares, right? I'm going to, if, if the dragon of, uh, the dragon of ignorance that I'm battling in the moment is my own tendency to drift back into, you know, crappy self-discipline, then so be it. The dragons that people want to fight are always external, and yet if they don't take care of the ones that are internal, they're not going to have anything to, you know, it's not going to matter, right? So here's the admonition. It is so easy to slip back into unproductive, unwholesome habits. Common theme so far. I strive to acknowledge ever more examples of my own advancement propelled forward by means of more effective action. In this past day, 
what example have I provided myself to prove the power of endeavor? Okay. Next, the power of mindfulness. Okay. Here's a contemplation uh, exercise, right? We're contemplating our own experience of the power of mindfulness, which prevents unconscious lapsing back into unenlightened habits, right? We want to be paying attention. We want to be watching ourselves and keeping ourselves on track. But ego typically doesn't do that. Ego's too busy judging other people to make itself feel okay for not doing the shit it's supposed to be doing, right? But again, here's this admonition, right? So it's so easy to slip back into unproductive, unwholesome thought patterns. I strive to acknowledge ever more examples of my own advancement propelled forward by means of paying attention to more. In this past day, what example have I provided myself to prove the power of, of attention? Attention, not intention. Attention. Right? Right? When was I on point? When did I notice something that I otherwise would have like missed, right? Okay. You get a handle of this stuff. Um, this is one of those things that, you know, I was, I was chuckled at my, at my kids, right? Because, you know, they'd always look at me like, God, that's like a walking lie detector. I see everything. And I'd have to smile and nod and say, but yeah, I ignore 90% of it. So right? just because I didn't react, I think I just shared a meme on Facebook said the same thing. Just because I didn't react doesn't mean I didn't notice, right? I have friends and family that, you know, when certain things are, are pinging on my moral and ethical boundaries, right? Uh, respect is a big thing, right? When they're pinging on that, right? And I'm holding it in, right? But there's that when, when a line gets crossed, I'm going to say something, I'm going to touch something, whatever, right? And they go, why can't you just tune it out? Just tune it out, right? Then it won't bother you, right? What they're really saying is ignorance is bliss. Except that what you're asking me to do is to practice not paying attention. Holy shit, really? There's power in that? No. That's attraction to a pleasant thing because this other thing is grating. But that doesn't mean it doesn't need my attention. And besides that, with the bullshit that people throw around, if I don't say something, who will? Because most people won't. Because they're averse to conflict. I don't run into the bear's cave and poke it and see if I can get out before I get eaten. But at the same time, some people need a mirror held up in front of them instead of everybody just, well, you know, it's just Barbie Ann. It's just the way she is. Yeah. So how about if I act like Barbie Ann to Barbie Ann for the next half an hour and see how Barbie Ann likes it? Anyway, power of concentration. Okay. So, again, contemplating our own experience, right? of the power of meditative contemplation, right? Which prevents what? 
distraction from the goal of attaining the highest ideal. If we don't stay focused, I, I did a whole kuden on uh, why and the power of vision. And these are probably completely different episodes, but it was about that, right? So what's your vision? Right? Zig Ziglar, who was a huge motivation and business coach, uh, passed away a couple of years ago, right? One of my favorite quotes from him is, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. Right? You can't complain because nothing has happened. You can't complain because you're not getting what you wanted if you're not fucking aiming for anything. If you can't define it. Oh, shit. This is showing up on YouTube. I just said fucking shit in the same. Never mind. Anyway, so <laughs> we'll see what happens, right? See if I get slapped by YouTube. Anyway, all right, so here's the admonition. It is so easy to slip back into unproductive, unwholesome states of mind. I strive to acknowledge ever more examples of my own advancement, propelled forward by means of more stabilized, centered concentration. In this past day, what example have I provided myself to prove the power of centered, broad vision? This is about big picture, right? The other one was micro. Macro, micro, right? And number five is the power of wisdom, okay? Think about what you can do with these things, right? You're able to hold your attention on something, concentration, for longer periods of time without being distracted. What can that do for you? What would that do for you? How would your life be different, right? I'll ask you about the other things here. Well, you know what? Might as well do it, okay? Got myself down this rabbit hole, right? What would more confidence do for you? unwavering confidence okay and not just bending at the will of everybody else because you know if honey or your friends or whatever ain't happy then ain't nobody happy it's not ain't nobody if they're not happy i won't be happy why not is your happiness dependent on somebody else and do they have a vision that they're following that shit that's pretty cool Right? And maybe I should be like one of the knights of the round table because Arthur's got a pretty damn good vision. I'm going to drop mine because that's pretty freaking cool. Wife's got one, friend's got one or whatever. Yeah, oh, shit, dude, I'm on for the ride. You need help? Okay? But chances are most of us don't have more than one at best people in our lives, in our personal circle, unless you're in different circles, okay, where everybody has visions that make yours look like shit and you need to ramp up your game. Most of us don't have that. So why the hell would you follow or be at the whim of somebody's anger when they have no freaking idea where they're going and what they want every given day is, is a new thing, right? I wanted that yesterday, but that didn't work. So I must need to want something else and you're supposed to keep up. Why would you do that? Are you that afraid that out of the millions and millions of other people on this planet, you can't strike up a friendship or relationship or whatever with somebody more in tune with your vision? Or you can't explain your vision well enough that the other person goes, shit, sorry. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, shit, let's do it your way. But we weren't taught that, were we? We were taught by other people, if honey ain't happy, if your friends aren't happy, if you're offending these people or whatever, then you've got to toe the line. 
Okay. What would more confidence do for you? Okay. How would your life be different if you expressed that, if you acted on that? Right. That's power. Right. Courageous endeavor. Right. No matter what, no matter what anybody else said, no matter how you felt or whatever, if you bravely stepped into the new you every day, every every chance you get. Right. What would that do for you? How would your life be different? What could you do for others? That's fucking power. Right. Power of mindfulness. If you just, you know, weren't off your game, if you've had more control of your own mind. If you knew how it operated and you could use it. To the best of your ability, what would that do for you? How would your life be different? What could you do for others? Same questions. Right? How would things be different? That's power. I don't know what the hell power people are talking about when they say, I want more power in my life. I feel like I don't have any power. I don't think, feel like I have any control of my life. Define control. Define power. Here you go. Over 2,500 years. Somebody define power for us. There's different aspects of power. How many do we have operating? Okay. So power of mindfulness, power of concentration. I already asked that one, right? If we could hold our mind on and stay focused on the big picture, on the mission, whatever you want to call it, right? Longer, for longer periods and not be derailed, not be distracted by other shiny things. The next binge watch of Netflix or whatever. It's going to be there. Shit, trust me. Netflix will be around next year. Okay. Miko's all about putting all your eggs in one basket, which we were taught to. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Really? How about if we just put all our eggs in one basket, get this shit handled? Imagine the amount of power, energy, skill, ability, whatever that we would have. Holy crap. Then you could afford to sit back and binge watch Netflix because all kinds of other shit would be happening automatically because of the amount of control that you had. Okay? Last one is the power of wisdom. Okay? So again, wisdom is not the same as knowledge, right? Information, knowledge, wisdom. Information, I learned something. Knowledge, I know how to do that thing without thinking about it. Think tying your shoes. Learned how to tie my shoes, but for a long time, whatever, right? Finally got it down, and then you got to a point where you can tie your shoes and don't even have to look. You don't even have to think about it. You can hold a conversation with somebody else. Wisdom, knowing when that particular knot is useful and necessary whether you're tying shoes or you're doing something else. Because, oh, that's a slip knot. That's something that will hold whatever's inside tight, but in one deaf motion, I can get it out. Okay? I can release things. Okay, So here we're going to concentrate, contemplate um, our experience on the power of wisdom to know the true nature of things. Not what other people told us they were. The true nature of things, which banishes delusion. Okay? So the admonition is, it is so easy to slip back into unproductive, unwholesome belief structures. I strive to be aware of ever more opportunities to advance by means of more integrity between what I believe and what is ultimately true. We need to close the gap. You can believe whatever you want. That doesn't make it true. It makes it true for you, right? Because people like to argue their personal truths. 
unargue personal truths. Right? You can believe whatever you want. Ultimate truth, conventional truth, personal truth. Three completely different things, but the closer we can get them together in our own experience and the way we live and act. Right? For those of you following along with Nijitu, right? That's to say is used a word again and again and again. Natural. Natural laws, natural ways that our minds work, natural ways that this human body is put together and how it's supposed to work, whatever, right? The more we can get away from beliefs or the more we can get our beliefs in tune with what's ultimately true, what's actually true, the easier it's going to be to produce results because it's not guesswork. We're not throwing shit at the wall and hoping that it sticks, right? So, again, it's so easy to slip back into unproductive, unwholesome belief structures. I strive to be aware of ever more opportunities to advance by means of more integrity between what I believe and what is ultimately true. In this past day, what example have I provided myself to prove the power of intelligence? The Greek intelligence comes from the Greek word that it doesn't mean that you know a lot. What it means is your ability to use what you know to produce effective results quickly and easily. It's the effective application of knowledge in context with what's actually going on. It's not knowing a bunch of shit just to know a bunch of stuff. Knowledge is knowledge. Right? But wisdom is founded on intelligence and correct application of intelligence. Okay. All right. So um, what do you think, James? Should I um, just round out with the seven branches or seven aspects of the enlightened mind or did questions pop up? Because I'll, I'll handle questions if so we don't get so far. No questions? Okay, cool. All right. So seven branches of the enlightened mind, right? So these are seven qualities that describe what we could call the ideal experience of the person who has attained this breakthrough, this enlightenment, this, this, this connection with ultimate truth. Okay. Uh, superior wisdom. Sometimes it's called transformation of bondage uh, the, from samsara to the liberation of nirvana. And again, samsara and nirvana, this is not a heaven and hell kind of thing, although it produces experiences that could feel like heaven and hell, right? But samsara, the, the Sanskrit word samsara means to go around very much, okay? You know, same shit, different day, you know? It goes around, comes around. We've got all these statements in English. It mean the same thing, right? right? It's, it's always something, right? It's not one thing, it's another, blah, 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 right? Okay? Um it's like being on a merry-go-round that you can't get off of. Okay? Nirvana, the word nirvana, means to extinguish, to blow out. But that should beget the question, what are we extinguishing? What are we blowing out? What we're blowing out are the flames of misdirected desire, which points back to the second noble truth that the cause of suffering is misdirected desire. Right? Wanting things to be away or wanting things that... Ultimately, we can't have it that way. It's just not the way things work, right? Yeah, but what if? Okay, until you can produce that kind of reality, 
um, or find a planet to live on that operates on those kind of natural laws, it, it's not going to work that way. Okay. Uh, so, uh, again, these are seven aspects of, and again, not diving deep into these things. I'm just going to go through them, right? Okay. So, one, perfect clarity of mind. Okay. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to kind of throw out a short mantra or a statement, right? A fact that points to the state. Okay. But this statement will reflect and should be our benchmark as to how close we are to that thing. And I don't mean ego going, oh, yeah, 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 I got that. Yeah, yeah, bullshit. Okay, so perfect clarity of mind. I enjoy being authentic. Okay, how often do you, do you rest in your own authenticity and not say what other people want to hear, act the way other people think you should act, Dress the way other people want you to, whatever, right? I enjoy being authentic. You don't have to like me. That's not a requisite. Okay? In uh, one of the Matrix movies, I think it was number three, right? The commander looks at Morpheus after Morpheus talks about his, his little vision again or whatever. And the commander says what? Damn it, Morpheus, not everyone believes as you do. One of the most powerful statements out of that whole trilogy was Morpheus saying, and my beliefs do not require them to. Okay. Number two, perfect discernment. Discernment is knowing what's really right and appropriate for a moment as opposed to what's not. It's not a feel good, feel bad, follow the rules, don't, whatever. It's not that. Perfect discernment. I enjoy being intelligent. Again, there's way more to this, way more to all of these, right? If you want to get jump into that program when we do it, um, that'd be awesome, right? Okay, so number three, perfect endeavor. I enjoy being powerful. Okay. Number four, perfect happiness. I enjoy being happy, right? The number of people that I've heard that are in crappy relationships, Right. One sided dictatorial relationships where one person gets to do everything and the other person has to ask permission or can't do certain things because that'll make the other person unhappy or whatever. But the other person gets to pretty much do whatever they want, because, you know, if honey ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Right. Just drives me nuts. That statement when somebody says, well, at a certain point, I had to decide whether I wanted to be happy or wanted to be right. Dude, you're not happy. You're in a state of acceptance. But you're not happy. Right? Are you happy? Are you content? Are you are you exuberant? Do you feel like you can express yourself? You can live to your full potential. Yes, I know there's compromise in relationships and all that. I get that. I absolutely get that. But that shouldn't come at the expense of one person's happiness or expression of authenticity or whatever. Okay? So I enjoy being happy. I do. Right? One of the first questions my Mikio teacher asked me uh, before I got accepted as a student was, do I really want to know the truth? And he gave me days to think about that. But um, when I came back with the answer, yes, sensei, I, I, I think I do. Right. 
He said, great. Okay, close your eyes. Think about someone in your life right now that you absolutely love, you adore, you would do anything for, right? If something happened to them, you would be crushed. Got it? Yes, Sensei. Now, in your mind's eye, look at that person and say, I would rather be happy than to be with you. This has nothing to do with walking away from people or leaving people or anything, right? It has to do with if you had a choice to be chained to somebody else's experience or to live an enlightened, powerful, happy life, which would you choose? Number five, perfect vibrancy. Right? Vibrancy, energy, buzz, right? Right? Okay. I saw a perfect bumper sticker one time. I'm not going to put a bumper sticker on my car, but I, I think of it. I think of it often. Still searching for the eternal buzz. Okay. Most people think it's a druggies bumper sticker, but it's not because it has a Buddhist symbol on it. Right? Okay. So the statement: I enjoy being at ease, not. Exhausted, not lethargic, not lazy, not, huh, I'm here, I'm not dead, right? at ease. Life is, I don't need to work that hard to produce things because I know how things work. I pay attention, discern. Okay, well, number six, perfect meditation. Remember what I said? It's about mindset. State of mind, right? I enjoy being centered. Okay? I enjoy being centered. Number seven, perfect detachment. Okay? I can be, I can be connected to people, but not be chained. Okay? Perfect detachment. I enjoy being free. Okay? Codependent. If either of these people move, they both fall down. Dependent, right? This person has to hope that this person doesn't move because they'll fall down. This person has to give up a lot to make sure this person doesn't fall down. These people are free to do, act, engage in a codependent, dependent, or independent relationship at different times and periods because they're not, by their very nature, dependent. Okay? I enjoy being free. Anyway, that's just a place to go, right? If you're, if you're going to do nothing else, right, because all this mindfulness mumbo-jumbo bullshit, right, um, is just, you know, some religious dogmatic kind of thing, then if nothing else, do the first four exercises. Right. Be mindfully aware of what you put into your body and make sure you're getting the minerals, nutrients, vitamins and things like that, that your cells need to metabolize and be alive. You are only as strong, powerful, well, whatever, as your weakest cells. Because they're anchors to everything else. 
Okay. Water. Be mindful that even if you're not mindful that I know, got to drink more. Just be mindful of the scientific fact that in a 70 degree room, sitting on your ass at a desk and doing what? Answering phones and shuffling papers, your body loses eight ounces of water an hour. That's all you need to know. If you don't put it back, you your cells have to give up. I mean, they're going to give up fluid, right? So they will be operating at a lower state. Okay? This is like gravity. You don't have to believe this to be true. Right? You can believe whatever you want. You can believe that you're an alien from some other galaxy that doesn't have to follow the rules of life on this planet. It doesn't make it true. Okay? It doesn't mean that you're not dehydrated and your mental functions are diminished and your body's barely surviving. Okay? Fire. Metabolism. Exercise. For muscles, stretching for joints. Okay? Wind, respiration. More deep breathing. Get more oxygen into your system. Your cells need it. This is not about you. This is about the you that is a collection of millions and billions of cells that make up you. And if they're not functioning well, you're the end result. Right? And, you know, if you want to be mindful of some things, you know, great. Okay? But at the very minimum, right, get your cells to a better state. Because, again, if the battery's screwed, everything else is screwed. You can only do so much with what you have. So what do you have? What are you capable of? Right? We'd like to be, we'd like to believe that we're, you know, I've, I have infinite potential. Not with that battery, you don't. So let's start with the battery. Because all the other experiments and all the other projects are going to be dependent on that battery. Your ability to charge it, maintain the charge over time, and ration the power, right? So, because there were some of my friends in that class that their battery would get a charge. It'd be full charge, right? But as soon as they put it on, on something, right, it would drain really quickly. And other ones last much, much longer before they would start to wane, right? Other ones, they had to redo their battery several times because the first couple of iterations wouldn't even take a charge. Right? How badly do you want it? I'm not telling you you have to do anything. I'm telling you what's necessary if you want to do something. That's my job. If you don't want to hear me do my job, there's lots of other YouTube videos you could be watching where people are just entertaining monkeys showing you cool moves. It's just the way it is. I'm surprised we have the numbers that we have. <laughs> that's just that's just showing from like one direction, and I'm not not sure which uh, which service that's coming through because we're tied through several of them at this moment. But anyway. Okay, so let's open it up to questions and comments because I got to get to bed early tonight. We leave at 4.30 a.m. my time to drive a long way to an airport 
so I can sit on my ass on an airplane and then get off at another airport and get on another airplane to sit on my ass longer until I get where I'm going and then have to get to a hotel. You get the idea, right? So to get to enjoyment, there's work. So let me, I'm going to throw James on studious bookshelf in the background anyway James any questions or comments come in uh, there's a comment from Ninjutsu in Nanaimo that I'm going to share this with a few sensei that are visiting from Hamaguchi Arts and Todai very cool Shihan very cool what Shihan oh okay yeah and again, you know, this is my path. Um, I've walked this stuff. Reverend G. Kai's, you know, gave me this stuff and whatnot. So um, hopefully it gets translated well so that, you know, I don't have a bunch of Yamabushi and whatnot thinking that I'm some jack wagon. Uh, but I've been called worse. So all cool stuff. Anybody else? I saw uh, Jimmy had signed on. I'm. Uh, I'm assuming that was a Konnichiwa, Konbanwa. Uh, yeah. I only oh, saw the oh, notification oh. popped up. Okay, cool. Who else is on? Did Lee make it tonight? Oh, if he did, he hasn't said anything. Oh, okay. That's I fine. I saw Questions, comments. Maybe, maybe I made people's heads melt down. Who knows? Right. No questions. Okay. That was the only comment. All right, well, that's fine. Uh, if you are interested in, you know, uh, jumping on this uh, Sanjay Chichi Dobon program coming up, um, I know my Platinum guys are going to jump on this. There's a couple of them that are going to get it uh, no matter what. But um, I already I can think of four already that are um, going to jump at the opportunity because they're already all about this kind of training. Um, but if you want to try to snatch up one of the extra – uh, seats that are going to be available after they grab a bunch of them, uh, shoot an email over to Warrior C at warrior-concepts-online.com. Um, and uh, I'm going to say this and he'll just do it, right? James will put you on an early notification list. <laughs> um, and then, you know, when we set it up and put it out there, you know, what we're going to say is um, what, getting on the list does not guarantee you a spot. What it gives you is, first right of refusal, okay? Because if you turn it down at that point, I'm just going to give the seat to somebody else. No problem, okay? And no, I will not be doing another one like in a couple of months because that time period was not convenient, right? That that question pops up, whether it's people calling the academy or whatever, right? It just, well, this one's not going to work for me I love it when it's something really like dangerous, like a women's self-defense or a rape defense thing or whatever, right? Well, this one's not convenient. So you're going to be doing it again in like another month or so? No. I do these things like once every, what, six months to five years. <laughs> when was the last time we – well, I've never done a Sanji Shishobon. When was the last time I did a Mikio program? I think I just looked the other day, eight years ago. So, No. People in the West are way too used to the the customer always being right and people jumping through hoops and loops to, to give them whatever they want whenever they want it, and they get to walk away like, you know, no big deal. 
they'll take care of other people. Right? If I'm if I'm going to be as traditional as most people would like me to be, right? I'd be way more fucking selective as to who I take as a student. I wouldn't be as forgiving because, well, they were raised in the West. You know. What are you going to do? Not that extreme. <laughs> uh, I think I am way more understanding than I should be if, if we were in ancient Japan or people were going to a a uh, temple or a, you know, a dojo or whatever. Right? How many Westerners would actually like clean the dojo floors and work for a living and take the money to the, to, to the teacher and all that kind of stuff and keep coming back every freaking day until the teacher allowed them to be a student, sometimes upwards of a year, right? Not in this fast food drive up window world. Not even close. And we've met, how, how fucking easy can we make it? We're now on the internet, for God's sake. You don't even have to get off your ass. Wow. All right. So um, I'm assuming everybody's quiet because they're pondering. Um, that's just better on everybody all the way around. <laughs> I just make that assumption. <laughs> right. Um, but you're not in any position that I haven't been or every other teacher who was a student was in when their teacher pretty much laid it on the line and said, look. Right? And you still don't even know what you're up against. You don't. Because I only glossed over it. You won't know what you're up against until you're actually in the middle of it and your battery is straining and you realize that you need to do more of the fundamental stuff that's not even on the list. It's not even on the scrolls. Well, like, this is the beginner stuff. No. The beginner stuff is all the pre-stuff that needs to be done so that you can effectively do the stuff that is written down or that everybody's talking about. Okay? And i got to tell you, and this is going to get me in trouble with a lot of people. Of course, I'm only in trouble if I, like, acquiesce to it. It's going to make me a target. Let's just make it that way, right? Okay. There's a lot of skilled martial arts instructors out there. But they're really shitty at keeping, a, uh, like, their, their operations going, right? Because they don't think that should be important. Or they don't, they're not mindful of the things. So that when you sign up into the program or whatever, that, you know, they can make a guarantee that they're going to be around in two years, three years, five years or whatever, when you are looking to get that next black belt level or whatever. Right? Okay. Just because somebody doesn't want to look at something doesn't mean it's not important. Doesn't mean it's not necessary. That goes for us as individuals and how we maintain this thing, right? How we maintain this thing and how we maintain Anyway, that's all I have to say about that. 
probably be a butterfly floating around a little bit, right? You ever notice that in the in the uh, uh, Forrest Gump um, movie? There was always this like butterfly when uh, whatever it was. There's some there's some meaning behind that, and I I read it once and whatever, right? Um, but unless you've read the original Forrest Gump book and know just how far off the fucking movie is. <laughs> So the guy wrote the book. The book has a very different ending, right? And then the movie was made. And then the author of the original book, Forrest Gump, wrote a sequel. And the first line that Forrest Gump speaks in the sequel, in the, in the second book, is, if there's one thing I've learned, is never let Hollywood make a movie of your life. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> all right, so before we get too far off track, um, I'm going to have a late dinner and do some other things that I need to get done. I'll try to get to bed before 3.30 when I have to wake up. So that's it. I will talk to everybody again next time. Uh, we'll have a stand-in lesson for you this Wednesday for Whiteboard Wednesday for those of you who follow along uh, because I will be neck deep in the Air Force basic training uh, graduation ceremony. Uh, during that time. And uh, let's see, if you're in the Platinum Programs, Tuesday Coaching Group, Friday Coaching Group, what we're going to do is your makeup classes for this week is we're just going to juxtaposition things. So this week, the Tuesday group will get uh, last week's Friday lesson, and the Friday group will get last week's Tuesday lesson, right? Um, because I don't do the same classes and the same topics. Uh, same theme for every week because that's our lesson plan. But, um, you know, unless you're in the Platinum Elite program, you don't get you don't get both lessons. Um, so eventually I get around to covering the thing again. Right. And it just gets covered a different way or whatever. But um, at the moment, that's that's the way things are. Right. So just like if you came to class uh, at the dojo. Right. If you come to Tuesday night class, Friday night's class is not the same. We might be covering Hanbo in both nights. I might even be covering the same techniques, but the lessons are somehow going to be different because the people in the class are different, the questions are different, the focus is different, right? I have to cover things based on who's there and their level of understanding and that kind of stuff, right? So even if I did cover the exact same topic, it's still going to come out differently, right? So that is that, right? And then uh, we'll be back on track next week. So, again, if you're in the Platinum, uh, my, my inner circle guys, next week is our personal development week. So if you've got questions about history, uh, personal development, the, the Seishin Teki, right, personal uh, development, personal clarity, all that kind of stuff, uh, anything in this direction, Miko, whatever, all that personal stuff, right, um, personal mastery stuff, um, that would be, that'd be the time to ask it, right? Week two is our strategy and tactics week. So... If you have anything, you can always send it in. I'll just hold it off to that week. Week three is our skills and techniques week where we dive into skills and or kata. And then week four is our weapons week. So um, I just had this week I had to combine uh, skills and techniques and weapons. So that's why Mitsubishi came out and something else came out. What came out on Tuesday? I don't know. But they kind of slipped together. Right. So anyway, that's it. James, you have any, did, did I forget anything that, that people need to know? Oh, camp.
Oh, shit. Fall camp. Yeah. Man, people are really uh, enrolling slowly this time, although uh, I have had a couple of uh, instructors uh, ask about doing uh, uh, breakout sessions, right? So this year's theme is in uh, bringing the Nijino Hachimon, the traditional eight areas of training that were mandatory in ancient Japan for a school to be teaching to say that they're doing ninjutsu, bringing them into the 21st century. And this isn't uh, Jeff's version or Jeff's made up thing or whatever. It's taking that those eight areas, those that te the technology and the reason for that, right? For those things and looking at what that looks like in the 21st century after science has proven a whole bunch of other things and other uh other things could be pulled and, and put into categories to make you even more powerful. You know, I've always said that that we have to have a higher degree of skill in, let's say, stealth than our ninja ancestors had to have because they didn't have infrared and motion detectors and all that kind of shit to have to worry about. Right. So imagine all these other things. Right. So what's involved? Right. By and large, people are not walking around with spear and naginata and swords and shuriken and all that kind of stuff right so what do those weapons look like and actually what was their relationship to each other in that list there's a whole bunch of people walking around that can quote the ninja no Hachimo, the eight gates but what's the relationship between sword spear and shuriken hmm. stop thinking about the tool if you're not thinking strategically and tactically you're not in the right ballpark. Okay, so we'll take a look at those and what what they would look like, what they should look like if we're staying true to the tradition in the 21st century. Okay, so it's going to be a cool weekend. Um, uh, Online Ninja Academy dot com forward slash events is where the sign up is. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's it. All right. I've talked enough. I'm done. Right. You've listened enough. You're done with me. Right, had enough. I'm gonna go. James, thanks for your help again. I appreciate it. All right, that's it. I'll talk to everybody again next time on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe to your favorite podcasting site or subscribe at modernninjawarrior.com.